three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 403. Um, today's episode is one that's been sitting on my computer for about a week. And I, through no fault of Joe Roselle. Joe Roselle is a guy I, uh, I really love. Great dude uh, from the Jersey area. He trains NFL players literally for test football. He helps guys get ready for the NFL Combine. And uh, somehow, after editing, the, I guess after recording this episode, his audio was totally out of sync with mine, and I could not sync it up. I and mean, it was like his file was a different length than mine, and not because of like you know mine was just I got recorded longer. Like literally, I would ask him a question, and he would answer like you know way differently. It's like the bit rate was different. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody. You may, you're not an editing person, but I had to figure out how to edit this all together, make it sound comprehensive so if there's weird cuts it's because i had to literally take him off screen and pull his audio later so it lined up with when i asked him the question and if it if it seems like i'm cutting him off part of that was because we're talking over like basically a facetime call and that's always tough to try to get you know real good um conversation going that way but also part of it's because i I edited it as best as i humanly possibly could and if there's any overlap occasionally it's because i'm not perfect and it's I just didn't want to throw this away. Like I had this hour and a half conversation with a guy who trains NFL players who I love, who's a great human being. And I'm like, I can't, I just didn't feel right not putting this out. I really, truly think it's a great conversation. He's got a lot of interesting information. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that there was a a big hiccup in production of making this one. And it was, ah, I hate when that happens. It pains me to no end. Uh, Regardless, again, Joe, Amazing dude. I, I want to have him on someday. We'll figure out how to solve the production problems. But uh, one of my favorite people in the football world, he trains NFL players. He is a Giants fan. He lives in Jersey. Uh, I love that part of the world. And so without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Joe Roselle. Joining me now is Joe Roselle. You work for Test Football uh, you do combine prep, getting guys ready for the NFL. Mm-hmm. First of all, how are you? Good. It's morning for me. It's noon for you. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, no, everything's great. You know, it's getting a little cold now. The fall foliage is kind of rolling <laughs> up here in New Jersey. I know the weather's way better by you, but. Oh, it's amazing. It's eternal summer. Oh, it's eternal spring here. It's it's beautiful. Right. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask, I think a lot of people, the first thing I want to talk about is combine prep because most people don't understand how much thought, how much effort, how much time mm-hmm. goes into preparing an athlete, not only for the, the combine, but also just for the NFL period and, and also building a player's body. Like it's a science and people often are so like, they just flip it the way they talk about players and do not understand all that goes into it. So m- maybe the first thing you can talk about is when a player comes to you guys test football to prepare for the combine, what, what, what happens first? How does, what does that look like? So usually we have the guys in, um, we try to get them in before day one right like we try to get them in at least a month sometimes guys will come um in earlier years like say Mm. prior to their senior year they'll come in um and really it's a full assessment uh, process so we have the guys in obviously we have a little bit of an inkling of where they're at you know athletically skill size like ceiling from just film um or things we're hearing but really we try to find out day one you know, like what their goals are, like, what is it that they really think that they 
should work on. You know, everybody says 40 or everybody says vert, but some guys like they, they run good forties to begin with. So maybe it's just some minor tweaking and things like that. Sometimes maybe it's, um, you know, gaining weight. Sometimes it might be losing weight, but it's what type of weight are they gaining? What type of weight are they losing? We're trying to do it in the best ways possible so that their, their composition is, is prime when they, you know, when they come in. So when that draft day rolls around or when their combine rolls around, um, that eyeball test is just like a little bit better, you know, yeah. you know, cause, uh, a lot of guys, that's, that's really one of the, our, our greatest things here is the, the transformation pictures that are posted on our, uh, our Instagram at test football. But you look at these guys when they come in, like, obviously they're division one athletes. So they look pretty crazy when they come in, but by the time that they're done, it's like, Oh my God, they look like superheroes sometimes, you know, like you <laughs> yeah. don't, you don't realize it, but these guys are already prime. And then you just, it's taking them to that little bit of a next level. And it makes a very, very big difference. That's like the one thing with us that we feel like we pride ourselves ourselves on is um, we pay attention to like the nuance of, of the whole training aspect and nothing is like, we're trying to like herd cattle. You know, we're not trying to just like, Oh, this is our blanket program. You follow it. And it'll work. That's really not it. Everybody's getting that individual attention that they need specifically for them. You know, mm -hmm. some things are taking a front seat. Some things are taking a back seat, depending on, you know, the situation. Um, we are just really basically in the business of we want to boost your stock, whether you're a six rounder that wants to be a fifth or uh, an undrafted that wants to be drafted at all, or a guy that maybe didn't have a shot at getting drafted or signed in any way, shape or form. But coming here, they put on a, a good enough of a pro day that like somebody takes a flyer on them and they make a 53 or even just the 92, um, you know, for when, um, camp opens. Um, so it, that's really the main, the main kind of pillars that we focus on. Um, listen, we're not California. We're not Florida when it comes to the weather, where a lot of these places are at. So we get a lot of the grinders, like we get dudes mm. that want to and just put their head down and go to work. Um, so, and, but we like that. Like that's, it's kind of what we want. Yeah. Because guys often go train in LA and they're looking for sort of a vacation. Like they want, when, when they're not training, they're hanging out. That's not that way in, in New Jersey. Nope. It's cold, dude. Especially mm. that time. Like, yeah, it's March. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's cold. And these guys like, yeah, maybe they'll take a day trip here and there and try to go to the city to visit and stuff. But yeah. other than that, they don't want to deal with that traffic. They don't want to deal with all that. Like it's, <laughs> it's, you live, you know, we have, we have housing around here. They stay there. They get their meals taken care of through us. Um, you know, every kind of hour of their day is planned out, whether it's film review, whether it's positional training, whether it's, you know, whatever speed element we're going over that day, whether it's acceleration or top speed or anything in that they have their lifts obviously so they're working yeah. strength and then we have chalk talk we have nutritional advice you know we have like it's a whole it's a whole thing here it's a package like it's nobody's just coming in being like oh i'm just going to show up for my 40 training once a week you're not a gym it's not a gym like there's way more because they they live you guys take care of housing if they need it all kinds of stuff yeah yeah so everything is included here for our, our program now we do have things that go on year round that don't involve football yeah you know like we have general population clients we have some kids stuff here i train a bunch of high school players here um that are in the area and stuff um but that when when it is combine time 
like, you know, these kids, like we usually have classes that range anywhere from 35 to 55 guys in that range, usually a, a, a prep season. And, you know, when these guys come in, they like live here. They're, yeah. they're here, all, you know, um, they don't really have time to, to, you know, mess around or be done by one o'clock to go catch happy hour. Like, it's really not how it goes on, you know? So I, I have like so many questions. I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, the first one though, is kind of an uncomfortable one. If we need to cut it out, we can, but I, I do wonder how do, how does this get paid for? Do you guys come in and finance it and then their agent takes care of it or they pay for it later when they get drafted? How does that work? Uh, usually it's through the agents. It's yeah. not yeah, because you got to understand too, for a very long time, pretty much up until this last year. Yeah. Once the players declares for the draft, they're not considered NCAA property anymore. Mm. So once they declare, like, "Hey, I'm joining," the agent can technically pay for their training. Got it. Now that whole negotiation process is between them. Now we do have kids that pay their own way. Yeah. Like we have a kid, you know not to say names, but say we have a kid that goes to like Wagner university where it's like in Staten Island, it's division one, double a, like no agent is going to come out and be like, Oh yeah, I'll just pay for all of that. But a kid wants to make his push. Like sometimes mom and dad helps, or sometimes the kids just grind and pay their own way, uh, pay Mm -hmm. for their own way. And like, those are the kids. Like that's, that's one thing that like, since I've been here, like, I'm always like, damn, I really hope that they get signed because like watching them just kind of like turn their brain off and just work. And like, you know, to come in and pay their own way like that, like that's, that's hard. It's not cheap, you know? So uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, all day and all year, but especially in March, you are with guys who are working for their dream. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. so compelling. Can you talk about guys who you've seen that have been really moving to you? Yeah. Like the, the, it's, it's, it's interesting for us and at least myself in particular to see like what motivates each person individually. Like some people it'll be, you know, their upbringing, like whatever, however it was, they want to better their lives. Some guys it's, you know, they're motivated by say they have kids, like Hmm. some of these college kids nowadays, they have children and they're, they're externally and and internally motivated by that. Some guys, they're just like kind of kicking the can down the road, not to say in a bad way, but like they've played football their whole life. That's what they know. They're, they're, they're football guys. And, they just want to keep following this dream. So they don't have to say like, oh, at least I, or, or, or like, they don't want to look back one day and be like, oh, I could have done a little, like maybe I could have played, you know, this is like, sometimes it's like a big final push for some people. Um, and then others, it's, it's just, they're just ballers. Like That's what they do. They, they, they just wake up every day and it's football from the moment their eyes open till it closes. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see like intrinsically, what motivates each kid individually. And it's, um, it's good to see, you know, that it's not all the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some guys wake up in the morning about the sport. Some guys are waking up in the morning because of a different external factor that's making them really push themselves hard. You know, I don't, this is a really an unfair question. I don't know if you can answer it, but I do. I think it's like, it's worth asking. Is, is there one type of motivation you see that works better than others? Like, do some guys love the game and that works better for them? Or is there one type they're like, that's the thing. If I see a guy who's motivated by this thing that works really well. Um, actually, no, I've seen, mm. I've seen some of the hardest workers just be like, almost like work pale guys. Like, yep. I'm just going through the process here. Like every day, it's just, I hit my numbers. I do my thing. And then I've seen some guys show some, 
unbelievable motivation because of, you know, an outside factor, whether it's, you know, it's, it's money or it's family and wanting to take care of things and live a better life. So it's, it's, it's not really cut and dry like that. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, when they come in here, like they get a taste for it pretty early, um, Mm -hmm. of the kind of thing that we expect from them. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're pretty tough love over here, but it's, it's how it's going to be. Cause like, you got to understand, like, if I'm a, if I'm a seven year vet sitting in a locker room trying to make a team, you know, say I'm on whatever team in the NFL and I have this kid who's a UDFA who plays the same position as me walking in day one, I'm trying to keep my career alive. Like if you don't have the mental fortitude to just be like, I'm here to work and you're going to play into the emotions of like, oh, I feel like I should be getting more reps or I feel like I should be getting more rest or this playbook is too hard. These vets are going to eat you alive. They're going to eat you alive. Like there's, you got to be able to understand that they, they don't care. Like <laughs> until that first week of the regular season rolls around and you're playing for each other and everyone's job is solidified for the most part. Um, you know, it's dog eat dog. The, 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 you, I mean, you've probably seen it, yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. And some, some kids can grasp onto that. And I could tell from early on, I'm like, this kid will be fine. Other ones, sometimes it takes some time to be like, okay, like you got to turn it on, dude. Like it's time's coming. Like if you're not a draft pick, it's hard, you know? What stuff, again, do not name names, but is there anything that you've seen that is a red flag where like, oh, I'm worried this guy's going to make it? Um, I know that's rare. These are professionals, but. mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that I can say is like kind of like the the low hanging fruit factors, like size. Yeah. like if a guy's going to run, like if you know deep down, like, man, he's probably not going to run the greatest 40 for whatever reason. Um, sometimes, you know, size of school, like that'll definitely yeah. play a factor too. Because if you are the second string running back at Alabama, you have probably a higher chance of getting signed than the best running back in your conference in, you know, some Division One AA school on the West Coast. Like it's just kind of, it's it's hard you know you're you're dealing with some deep deep talent um and these pools that these guys are looking from that you got to stand out like either unbelievably athletically where it's like your ceiling is so high that we're like hey like you can't ignore this guy because of either the eyeball test or how he moves or your stats and film have to be so absurd that like the one thing i always call back to um when it comes to like what it takes for those division one double a schools kids to get signed or drafted is like one of the first ones I could think of was like Carson Wentz where it's like Mm -hmm. that guy didn't lose. Like people don't realize that like he did not lose for like three years straight. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like he was throwing, he had like a perfect passer rating almost every game rushed (laughs) for a touchdown and didn't lose for three years straight to get drafted as early as he did. Where it's like, if a guy did that at Alabama, everyone would be, breaking the walls down or like any other division one school for that matter. So, and you look at how things are going for him right now and it's like up and down and this and that. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting that that little jump, like people say like division one football and it's not to discount these other schools. It's just how the, the league looks at it. It's just how they view it. You know, well, you have to be unbelievable to go from a D one double a school to NFL. It just, not that it's fair. That's how it is. I, I got to watch Cooper cup play a ton live from the sidelines at Eastern Washington. 
And I, yeah. he, he was unbelievable. Like the best player on the field every game for like four yeah. years. And you're like, well, yeah. if this guy doesn't make it, I don't know what does. It, it was unbelievable. And, but <laughs> unless you're Cooper cup breaking every record at your school, it is really hard to make it. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Were you surprised when you saw the Patriots drafted like a safety out of, I think, I think Lenore Ryan but, in the second round last yeah. year, was that like a, huh? Did you take note of that? Uh, so, I actually, I do a pretty good job of like scaling the prospects and mm. trying to get a feel for, you know, where guys are going to get taken. I've yeah. been doing that like on my own before I worked here. I used to love that. Um, and then this year in particular, because that's one of the things I do here is I, I talk to the NFL teams about the guys we have. So like, I'm kind of like a, I do like some sort of scouting in a way yeah. with the guys we have here. So, you know, just understanding like draft stock and things like that. So last year they took uh, Kyle Duggar. Was that his name? Duggar? Duggar? I think I'm so. I'm forgetting the yeah. last. I think so. Yeah. And um, I'm like, I see the name pop up. I'm like, Lenore Ryan. I'm like, where the hell is that? But I know if it's <laughs> New England, like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, as much as, even though their record doesn't isn't awesome right now, they still know what they're doing in the draft room. Like, I don't care what anybody says. And uh, I, like, looked at his film because I actually didn't watch it. I looked at his film and I'm like, oh, I see. Because the guy was like physically such a freak, like he could add value on the, I think the one thing with him, which um, some people, I think, forget sometimes with drafts, um, the flexibility of being a, a defensive player that can play all over the defensive backfield, like in the box, deep, nickel corner, and then also have kickoff turn ability and then other special teams availability and then you add in an uh, a higher ceiling of an athletic ability that guy's gonna go like if he can play a rock down safety if he can play high if he can play in the box if he can blitz if he can play special teams on both sides and some have some return game and he's athletic like that's uh that's a recipe for someone that bill belichick would like yeah. because he gives you for that 52nd roster spot, he gives you like eight different positions that you could possibly plug him yeah. into. So it's, yeah, he got drafted as a defensive back, but like New England's most likely looking at him as a contributor in all these different places. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm curious when a, so, so let's say a linebacker comes to you, he's like, I want to get faster. My, my weakness is I can't get to the flat quickly enough. How do you work on that part of his game? Is it form? Is it, Twitch muscles? Is it like, what, is, how do you try to make a linebacker faster? Uh, it depends. Um, definitely like it's, it's almost in two different buckets where it's like, we have, we want to try to get you faster for what you're testing for. for. Mm. Yeah. You're testing for your 40. We're trying to get you faster. If we're testing your L drill, we're trying to get you faster. And that is just, you know, years of doing it and different methods that have that we that we go into uh each player giving and we try to make them like savagely good at the little things for <laughs> yeah. the then you have the positional element um that i some i take some part in um especially with the linebackers that come in and a lot of that is just talking um obviously mm -hmm. like we try to give like little fundamental hints here and there and sometimes that's just repetition if, if one thing you notice too is like unless the guy is really unathletic which doesn't really happen but if you have a linebacker that's at least athletic a lot of times it's just them hesitating like say mm. for something like that exact situation where oh i feel like i'm slow getting to the flat well okay what's your depth like where are you playing at what is your defense asking of you 
what is your first read? Are you reading the guard? Are you an outside linebacker and you're reading the tackles first step? Like, how is this playing out for you that you feel like you're late getting to the flat? That's usually the first question. Is are you thinking too much and is your processing too slow? You see that a lot of the times with, especially like I coached high school for three years in New Jersey before I took the job here. And sometimes like you see these kids, it's like they get paralysis by analysis. You see it all the time where it's like, I loved linebacker stuff and I could talk linebacker all day. (laughs) And some kids, it's like I could give them just enough information that it wouldn't freeze them. And then sometimes you give that kid too much information, the ball snapped and he's sitting there because Mm -hmm. he, he's like, am I not doing the right thing right now? And then all of a sudden it's a gain of seven where if he just read his key and went, it would have been probably better. So you see that a lot of the times, especially because a lot of pressures on these kids um, coming out to like do the right thing. Like, Oh, the one thing we want to tell everybody before they do their drills, like you got to be relaxed. Hmm. Like if you're too uptight and like wound up, it's going to be a long day, you know, like you gotta be loose and easy. Yeah, like some guys are, you know, have a higher threshold for excitability. Like I'm one of those people where before I I work out, like I need to listen to some Slipknot, bang my head around a little bit and then go do it. That's what's going to make me perform. Where other guys, it's like if they get too amped up, they may make a mistake. Where other guys need to be like very calm, cool, collapsed. That's how they perform. You know, you like watch on the NFL the difference between a guy like, Odell Beckham, who is like a little more like smoother, kind of like just flows into the game. He's not really too high energy, too up and down. And then you watch somebody like um, like a TJ Watt, where it's like it looks like that that ticker is going in his head, like like he's just keyed in, like just wants to, you know, bash through somebody as soon as the ball is snapped. So it's like kind of like seeing how those two, and it doesn't have to do with position either like I just went offense and defense but you notice it like even linemen some linemen like they can't perform if they get too crazy because yeah. like they'll miss their they'll be too overexcited and they'll, they'll lunge and do some of these things that they usually won't do and then you can have a wide out that plays like a dog like I think you know you look at someone like Tyreek Hill like he's very twitchy and explosive and he probably gets himself all wired and amped up to play you can tell by how he moves so it's just kind of interesting to see those two things and those two factors play a lot into how we kind of like try to get a guy ready for a specific thing, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I look back on my career and I'm like, Oh man, there's so much I didn't know. Like for example, my, my last two games in my career, I listened to classical music and played way better. And I, my mm-hmm. whole career had been like trying to head, do headbangers and listen to like mm-hmm. rap or whatever to pump me up. And it totally would throw me off for like the first quarter. I had to like calm down yeah. And find yeah. my Zen moment, and then I could play great. And for some reason, it never occurred to me to do that till later in my career. Um, I'm curious. You said that guys come to you before their senior year. So a college athlete, say he plays at his college mm-hmm. before a senior year comes to you. What does that look like? How does that process work? Uh, usually, it's just kind of like an introduction and get to see the facility. Yeah. But like we have instances, like say with somebody like you know Kenny, where um, he lives. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Pittsburgh like, quarterback. Yeah, he lives in New Jersey, so. This is this is right down like you know it's not too far from him. So we get a lot of that. Like we get a lot of Rutgers kids in here. We get a lot of Monmouth University kids. Some kids in the Staten Island schools, the Wagners, the Maris. Um, we get a lot of junior college kids that come in and train year round. We have some NFL free agents that that are training right now, just in case mm-hmm. they get picked up or things like that to just kind of stay tapped in. Um, 
you know, for their season. We have guys in the CFL that live in New Jersey. And then when the, when it's the off season, they're training for their CFL off season here. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, that kind of play out. Um, but yeah, we have guys that are either like some guys are with us from their sophomore years of high school all the way through college, you know, up until their pro day. Like it's just, it just ends up being that way because they're from the area and Jersey, like, especially in the North, um, is kind of a hotbed for talent for like, at least with the private schools, whether it's Bergen Catholic or Don Bosco or St. Peter's prep, like it's pretty high end football up here, um, in the North. Is that cause there's more suburbs? Like I know I've been to Manhattan and I know there's not right. a lot of like football in downtown New York city. Is it yeah. cause Jersey's a, a suburb? Is that why there's a hotbed there? It's kind of interesting. Um, it's like Jersey is very, very densely populated and it's kind of like, you know, it, they, people make jokes. Like I'm technically from more South Jersey. This is, I'm not from North Jersey Yeah. Um, where I came up where public school was it. Like we had very, very big public schools. Like in my town, we had three high schools. It was all like 2,500 kids each. Like it was a big town and public school was everything. Up here, we have public schools, and they're very, very competitive, and I love all the kids I work with from there. But then you also have these privates that are big powerhouses. Like, like Tom Bosco plays like a national schedule. Yeah. So it's like kind of it's, – it's weird. It's like split in half. Like all the guys I told you I played against that are all very, very good didn't come from that. Like Kenny, Kenny Pickett, for example, went to Ocean Township. They're like a group three – public school in New Jersey like they play like super normal teams and it's super normal you know Quentin Nelson went to Red Bank Red Bank Catholic that's you know it's a it's a private school but it's not like your premier Don Bosco like I played against him Mike Gesicki he went to Southern Regional which is like literally 10 minutes from where I live now um who I played against when he was a junior so um it's it's just kind of it's Jersey's weird like that it's very like you have the private school kids that have eight offers by the time they're a junior. And then you have some of these public school kids that kind of grow out into the, whether they're an athletic freak or whatever, and then they kind of sprout too. So it's, it's a, it's a weird split. It's a very, very densely populated state. I think we're the most in the country. So mm. there's a lot of people here, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, how does diet impact your process? Like a guy comes to you, it's not just training. I'm sure. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you guys work with an athlete on their diet? Uh, it, it's all dependent on their goal. Hmm. It's it's really all dependent on their goal. Like we have some guys that come in and we're, you know, some linemen that were actually trying to gain weight. Um, for example, we had a guy, Tommy Doyle. He was taken in the fifth round by Buffalo this year. He went to University of uh, Miami, Ohio, and he's six, eight, I think. I think he came in like, yeah, he's gigantic. Such a nice dude too. Tommy, if you're watching this, you're, you're the best. Um, he's, 300 he came in like i think 305 306 and we were trying to get him to 315 because he was actually so tall that he could use some more weight like he was holding his weight he like if he was about 25 to 35 pounds lighter like he looked like he could have been a tight end Mm. but he was so big so strong you know country strong (laughs) and like we were trying to put weight on him and then you have some guys where it's like we don't know if we're actually trying to gain or lose as much as stay the same, but we just want your composition to be better. We want you to lose five pounds of fat and water and we want you to gain four pounds of muscle. So like the scale weight doesn't move much, but your composition and how you look is a lot different. 
you know? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we want the guys to eat clean while they're here because they're, 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 you know, expending so much energy, like that old saying, like, why do you want to put, you know, crappy gas in a Ferrari sort of thing? Like you want to put the right fuel in to get the most out. Um, you know, so obviously we pay a lot of attention to calories in calories out. Um, depending on the kid and the situation. Um, we have a really good meal company through us now that, you know, we prep all the guys out with meals and get them all suited for, you know, whatever their calorie intake needs to be for the day. We have supplement companies that are on board, you know, whether it's protein or aminos or all those things, making sure that they're all safe and certified so nobody fails a drug test or anything. Um, that's kind of like the main all processes that go into it. We have a big team here. Like we have so many guys that are involved. Um, so, I mean, everybody's getting that individual attention from a different point of view too. So it really helps these kids kind of get better in just a pretty short period of time. But in that short period of time, like they're here nonstop. So it's just kind of how it plays out. What's your facility like? Is it really, is it big with a bunch of offices and stuff everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm in, I'm in one of the offices right now, but we have 60 yards of turf space, indoor dome, like, Sounds you like know, heaven. all, all outfitted equipment. Um, you know, we have physical therapy in the building. Is that we have dome so- where Tony Rossiopi, I, I see him on Instagram, like sometimes training guys. Is that where he trains him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've, yep. seen, I've seen that building. I've seen the picture. Sorry to cut you off. I just was like, Oh my gosh, wait. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's us. So, um, yeah, we have, uh, it's, it's, you know, the best facility I've ever seen, at least when it comes yeah. to kind of stuff. So, um, we have physical therapy in the building as well. We have, um, massage, we have like, if you name it, we, we have it here. So, you know, one of the things we like to go over with our guys too, is like all of those things are a part of it too. So, you know, we try to prep the guys for the Wonderlick test. We try to prep the guys for the questions that they're going to get asked by these scouts um, mm. I personally try to do a good job of telling the guys from what I'm seeing. Cause I, I like to consider myself having a pretty good scout. eye. um, what these scouts are going to want from them. Um, whether it's how they're going to probably view you, what kind of system I think you're going to fit in, what kind of teams are going to take a liking to you because of their needs without it really being said. And then obviously I have conversations with these teams Um, and it's, it's, it's a fair trade of, you know, they're trying to figure out about our guys. I'm trying to kind of get a a feel from them on what it is they're looking for as well. Um, but we're very honest. That's the one thing that's, that's kind of held up for us is, you know, if a guy's not a good fit, he's not a good fit. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Where if the guy's a great fit, we'll go to bat for him, you know, 10 out of 10. So it's, um, it's been good in that sense, you know? Not to repeat something, but what's an intake day like for a player? I mean, I have no doubt they come in and they're, is it like 10 meetings with a, you know, an interview, what's your goals and then food and then weigh-ins and then like, is that what it looks like? Just a lot of different yeah. stuff? Yeah. There's a lot, of, there's a big onboarding process for yeah. sure. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So it's, they're getting, they're like going through the, the supply chain. What What's your this? What's your that? What's your this? And we get all your questions out of the way. Um, and then we get all your needs met and then it's like day one of camp, like, but by the day you walk in day one, everything's already written out for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, everybody's going to be doing something slightly different. Um, 
even if we're going over the same drill at the same time, every guy's going to need their individual attention. You know, like obviously an offensive lineman's not going to be focusing on the same thing as a wideout. It's just yeah. how it you know plays out. So um, we get lucky sometimes, and some guys are similar um, in what they need, but it's not not by choice. You know, it's just uh, it's just how it is. You know, we just we assess every situation individually and try to give the best outcome for these kids that when we drop them off on that, on their pro day and they're done that we know like, okay, barring something unbelievable happening. um, We have a pretty good idea of how this is going to play out and he's going to do better than when he showed up. So yeah, that's the 40 yard dash is something uh, most people that talk about football or watch football probably had never even run a 40 yard dash. I have, I know how technical it is. Like, can mm-hmm. you talk about the, even just literally the way you set up to run is so yeah. important and how well you perform. Can mm-hmm. you talk about how technical the 40-yard dash is? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it all it all starts with the start. Yeah. <laughs> That's the easiest way to say it. Um, we've gone over a, a couple of different starts. They all look somewhat similar. Um, we have an unbelievable speed coach here. He's actually an Olympian, mm. Otto Bolden. Um, he does some of the uh, announcing for the Olympic Games. Wow. Uh, he was a track star in Trinidad. Um, and he comes in and he does all the top speed stuff with our guys. And, like, I, when he goes and teaches it, like, I'm in awe because I'm like, what is it? I have no idea. Like, this is crazy. Um, you know, everybody's got a different, like I said, kind of before, is, you know, everyone's 40 stance is going to look similar but not the same. That's the best way to say it. Um, yeah. Some guys, you know, will will have certain things that are red flags that we try to correct. Um, and then other guys, it's like, well, we don't want to overcorrect because maybe that'll make the whole thing fall apart. It's mm-hmm. like kind of just nicely, finely tuning and making sure that everything looks right. If everything looks right and there's no, no pain or no type of risk for injury and, you know, all their phases of opening their gate into their first sprint, Um, and they're getting the right acceleration and all that, and it goes smooth, then we're just kind of trying to drive that aspect home. Um, Obviously, there's 40 stances that you can do just straight up wrong. But, you know, it's everyone's looks similar, but like I said, they're not the same. So it's it's technical, though, for sure, especially with um, the arm action and getting out and keeping your head down for a certain period of time and then getting syndrical as you move down to maintain your top speed all the way down. That's why sometimes you watch, like I know you probably remember when DK ran his 40, it's like, he looked like he wasn't even trying. Yeah. And he was just absolutely flying because he was just locked. He was just, he had done that so many times that he was like, well, I know I just do this. Like I just run like this yeah. and I will get this on. And you can tell, like, obviously he's a freak in nature, but I mean, that's a guy who knows how to run. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's guys that are trying to run and putting a lot of effort into running. And then there's guys who know how to run. It's like different, you know? Well, if you're really fast, can you master the 40 yard dash just by doing reps over and over and over? like really learning? These are my steps. This is how I start. And then I've done it so many times that like DK Metcalf, it's just second nature. For sure. Yeah. Like you could tell too, with whoever handled his training, because I don't know if you remember this too, like he ran like an unbelievable 40, but then his, uh, his three cone drill was like awful. 
Yeah, they like said he was like slower than Tom yeah, it was Brady. Terrible. <laughs> so he must be saying to himself, like, okay, like I'm going to run a 40 that makes Rich Eisen like drop his coffee. And then it doesn't matter what I do for the rest of the day. Like I just want to focus mm. on that. So some people do do that where it's like, you know, are we really trying to get this wide receiver's bench press reps to 30? Like, is that really, you know, or are we trying to have him run the best 40 he's ever seen? Like, that's probably more, you know, yeah. uh, plausible for what we're trying to have for him as an outcome, where a lot of it is like benchmark. Like, if you're a receiver that's this height and this weight, this is how many reps you probably should get, and we want to get you there. Should DK Metcalf have just not run the the three cone drill? I mean, I because it, it seemed like like you made it sound like he doesn't he didn't even focus on it. We're we're kind of speculating from the outside looking in because he was so right. good at the forty, so bad there, and then that became an overwhelming talking point about DK Metcalf. Like, oh, he can't right. change direction. He's terrible yeah. because he can't run a three cone yeah. drill. Which, by the way, you never do actually on the football field. No, no, yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe he was just kind of going through the mo- like. He could have been in his head like, I just ran the most ridiculous 40 ever. Everybody's sweeting about me. Let me just kind of go out here and run this 510, you know, and just do it the best I can, I guess. You know, maybe he didn't put that much effort into it. Maybe he got hurt, like, some, because that could happen. Like, you get tweaked up, and then nobody talks about it. And in that draft process, like, sometimes people will get banged up and just keep their mouth shut because they don't want people to be like, oh, you're you're already hurt like that could hurt your drop that could if you're a fifth round prospect and you get hurt in the combine in a way that you run a worse time that could possibly knock you down around yeah or or like, drafted even like yep yep because you got to understand not every team is interested in you hmm. so if that one team that would have taken you in the fifth is now not interested in you now you don't have interest again until the end of the seventh for when that team circles back around or something like that, you know, I got a fun question. I'm curious. Are there any combine narratives that you're like, I hate when people talk about this. There's a couple things that I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen. They're like this thing and that thing, or, or maybe, maybe not, but I'm, I'm curious if there is anything that you're like, I hate when people talk about this one thing during the combine. Cause it's just useless. Um, not that I think anything is useless with what they're doing because they're everyone. Cause you gotta understand scouts, all are looking for different things. Like mm. there's, they're not all looking at the same thing. Like there's some litmus tests that people have. Like if they didn't put the combine on type on TV and blow it up the way it did, it probably wouldn't look how it does now. You know, like it would be the same drills, but a lot of what goes on in the combine is the pageantry of it. Like, Oh, we're going to see this guy run an unbelievable 40, like this athletic feat here. But in reality, the NFL would still do it. And all the scouts would be sitting there with their stopwatches staring at the line. Um, and it's just, it's just, this is what it is. We're just hitting, we're just trying to see where you're at. Um, I would say like one thing that sometimes I guess upsets me is when you put too much stock into an individual drill, um, you know, like a guy runs, uh, maybe a four, eight on his 40 and he's a linebacker and it's like all of a sudden like, Oh, that's not so great. Like, okay. Like his film is fantastic, but suddenly he can't he, play because he ran a slow 40. One says like film is everything. Like if you remember even uh, Antonio Brown, he ran like an, like an awful 40 uh, at his, at uh, I think it was his pro day. I don't even know if he was invited to the combine. Um, and then you watch him on the field and you're like, Oh, he is way faster than that. Like it's not even close. So like I, 
and, and that's the other thing too is like you'll watch a guy do something in 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 a athletic sense like say he gets 28 reps on the bench press and he's a he's a linebacker like some teams will look at that and go like oh okay and that'll boost their stock and then some teams will look at that and go i don't care mm. what's the difference between 22 and 28 it's not really the kind of defense i want to play i want my guys to run like say like the 49ers defense like their linebackers are fast quick they run to the ball they play pass coverage they're always you know moving east west they're shooting gaps like they don't really want like pluggers in their in their linebacker they don't, they're not looking for freaks of strength on their defense um so it all depends on like need you know not everybody's going off the same like oh this is a linebacker that i need like it's not really how it works it's everybody's got a different system and it's like some guys will be an a because of the skills they possess and then some guys will be a c for exactly mm-hmm. the same skills that they that's yeah. just because of a system alone not really who they are yeah i'm curious because sometimes a 40-yard dash time can be a poor representation of a player you mentioned antonio brown right there's so many ways to screw up with technique or you're tweaked you're injured whatever can speed ever lie? Like you guys have John Ross, you're a Giants fan. You had John Ross who ran this legendary fast 40 time. Can that ever, we, I talked about it, it can misrepresent how good you are speed wise, but a 40 time can never lie, right? If you run fast, you're fast on the football field, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still think the 40 doesn't lie if you are in the plus column for it. Like if you yeah. get a green check mark next to your name for how fast you went, like you're you're just fast. Like I, it's just that's just true. But yeah. guys will be able to will be able to kind of boost or help themselves with a forty. And some guys, I think, it doesn't really do much for them. It, it kind of depends. Like you look at someone like Devonta Smith. Like if he ran a four six, I don't think people would care that much. Like yeah. just saying, just because of how he plays his skill set, how he catches the ball, how he runs routes. I don't think people would care that much. Where, like, if John Ross came out that day and ran a 4-5, like, he probably wouldn't have gotten drafted in the first round. He probably would have went to probably the fourth, you know? Yeah. It's just because that's his game. Like, his game is speed, you know? Like, so when he was coming out, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I am speed. Look. And then he runs that 40. And, you know, when he was coming out of college, like, he had some – pretty high praise for his contested catch ability as well. Um, so you add those two factors in like, okay, I got a guy that can spread the field. He's good at contested catches. Let's do it. Like he's a freak. He broke the record. Yeah. So it's, it's that little bit of a, just that little bit of a help in your stock can change everything. You know, mm. it's, it depends on who's looking and who's paying attention to what it, it's kind of open-ended in that regard, you know? Yeah. We should, I, I want to mention this because if I don't say it, I will literally forget it and not write it down and not ever talk about it on my show, and I don't want to miss out on it. It just hit me now that Jamar Chase with the Bengals is everything I think they hoped John Ross would be when they drafted John Ross for the top 10 pick. Like He's making contested catches. He's running by people, and they really – I never – for some reason, I blanked on that. They've been trying to get Jamar Chase in their franchise since that John Ross pick that didn't quite work out for them. I never thought about that till now. Yeah. I don't have anything to say on that, but I, I just it hit me now. Like, oh wow, huh? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because, um, like Jamar Chase, like if you watched him, he was big, he was physical, he could make the contested catches. 
him and Joe had an unbelievable connection to LSU. So it's like, it was him and Justin Jefferson. Those were the two. So yeah. it's like, kind of look at that. And I think that might, may have helped him. You see that a lot with the NFL now, where it's like the Dolphins drafted. Um, Jalen Waddle. And then you look at the Jaguars and they draft Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. You look at all these teams, like if your quarterback played with them, like they're, they're going to be like, oh, that's my guy. Like, you know, I, I want him here. Um, I think part of that helps uh, like Joe and Jamar, like they know each other. So, you know how sometimes like you can even look at the Giants with like Kadarius Tony. like it took like four games for him to get going. And like that could just be a rhythm and timing thing. Like it, that's all, yeah. like doesn't have to do with the playbook at all like it could be that jones when he's dropping back and he's anticipating a cut or a route it's not pure yet so he's relying on evan ingram he's relying on sterling Shepard. he's relying on these guys where game one for joe and jamar like joe knows where jamar is going to be because he already threw him the ball for two years so it's like it just speeds up that process a little bit where it doesn't take as much of like you know getting used to these deeper route concepts and things like that. Because when a wide out comes in, like unless you run the best smoke screen and drag route and slant, like those intermediate routes, like they're hard to get the timing down of. Oh yeah. Uh, so it, it sometimes takes some time. And like, if a coach knows like, Hey, every time I have this rookie wide out in, it's like a 50% chance the timing may be off for this intermediate route. Uh, let me just put this other guy in there. At least I know the timing will be right. Um, and there's a higher probability that the play will work exactly how I drew it up just in case something goes wrong. So, um, but to circle back on the thing with the Bengals, like, yeah, they took a couple of swings. I know they have T Higgins, um, a couple of guys that they were like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Tyler Boyd kind of emerged, which was, uh, a lucky thing for them. Cause I don't think they really expected him to be as good as he was. Um, but I think this Jamar Chase thing, it's, like, if he was to go down, I think you would see that Bengals team take a serious step back offensively. Oh, yeah. And I don't usually put that much stock in, in wideout play, it's, I guess because I'm a, a defensive well, guy. Normally, it that. doesn't impact the team the way he has impacted their offense. I mean, it... Right. So, I think if you took him out of the equation, I think it would it would make them suffer in different ways because more teams would be willing to play one high safety and just be like, well beat me with T Higgins not to take away from him but it's just you know do you see the play last week where he was out lead blocking for Joe Mixon oh like ah, I love the effort there that's so cool to see I I want to tell a story I got I got interviewed by a Colts podcaster last week and I I regret not saying it on my show is that I, I I can't believe the chemistry that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have developed so quickly like I when I played quarterback I had a we had a guy a my senior year one guy was a sophomore who played Division One college football, and the guy, mm-hmm. the other person that played the same position was a senior who was like, didn't play in college, wasn't that good of an athlete, but we had a choice route where you could, you start, you get an outside, uh, you, you start outside, uh, you, what's that, I forget the word there, I'm blanking on it, um, you go outside, you either can run mm-hmm. vertical or lean and run a skinny post or cut outside yeah. and do a 10 yard out, and it takes trust right. to know if their cover three is running the out. If they play cover two, he's yeah. going to convert, like knowing what they're going to do there. And I never developed the trust and chemistry with this guy who went to play division one uh-huh. football, way better player, way better receiver. But I trusted this other guy, Cameron, who was like not a great athlete. And it's funny how that's a great example of 
being really talented does not necessarily mean you'll have great chemistry with your quarterback, like at all. Yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, that's the one thing, too. Like, unless you're a guy that, that's like a Tyreek Hill type where you could throw it to him on a screen and be like, well, he could go for 40. Like, unless yeah. you're that guy, like, it's it's hard to give reasons to be on the field as a wideout if you don't build up the chemistry with your QB. It's just and, – and coaches can see that. Like, and not everybody sees every rep. So, like, if, if, say, like, there's a rookie in practice and you're hearing reports like, oh, my God. He was making beautiful fade route catches in the corner of the end zone. But then you're watching him in, you know, Skelly and five of the 10 passes are just hitting the ground because like the quarterback's timing with the guy isn't off. Well, game one, like that's way too many times that the timing's messed up that they can trust this kid being in there, you know? I'm curious because I want to circle back to the training. How does an offensive lineman lose weight? I, or Sorry. Lose weight is the wrong word. Gain weight. How does an offensive lineman bulk up and put on weight and become bigger for their job? Uh, has a lot to do with calories, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's just pounding calories. Like, do you have any stories about guys eating weird stuff to gain weight? Yeah, uh, I've heard stories, but that's not what we do. I mean, like we're we're mostly just putting them on meal plans, and we're trying to have them hit their correct numbers and protein and carbohydrate and stuff like that, making sure there's enough water, um, and obviously muscle. Like muscle weighs more than fat. I know people say that all the time. But it does. So, like, if we can put a good amount of strength on a kid and then just have his calories in the right spot, like, with the amount of work that he's doing, he's going to gain muscle. Like, there's no way of avoiding it. Um, so that's kind of where we've, you know, gotten our, our players to gain weight the best is just from composition. Like, mm. losing fat, gaining muscle, you know, having the appropriate amount of hydration in their system and they're just looking better and they're weighing more um, from just gaining in that strength department, you know? Yeah. So if, if a lineman is trying to build gain weight, you wouldn't say just pound a bunch of Oreos. You'd say, no, let's, no. let's eat carbs yeah. and then, and then work out and build that yeah. way Yeah, we have, with, with building muscle. We have an unbelievable nutritionist here and she does their whole loadout of what they need to eat and what their calories should look like depending on their goal. And then, uh, we on our end handled the training aspect of it. Um, and it's just like this whole moving process and we all work together and, you know, as long as they follow it, then it'll work. It's just kind of how we know, cause we've seen it happen. You know, Tess has been running for a lot longer than I've been here. Um, you know, we've had some, some vets, like we had Patrick Peterson, we had Joe Flacco. We had some, like, we've been around for a while. We had Bart Scott. Um, so you know, like we've had guys that are proven that this system does work for a very long time. Obviously, yeah. we changed with the times slightly. We had some old school mentality with some new school stuff because there's always different stuff coming out. Like, it's just how it is. Uh, me, personally, like uh, the people around me are much better um, when it comes to the exercise aspect of it than I, I am. So I use them as my resource where I pride myself on the football stuff. Like I can, I can look at a guy's film and know pretty much where and well, the, where they'll be at and what is it that they need to work on and how the scouts will think of him. Um, so that's kind of my role. And then I obviously do a lot of the positional stuff here when, um, you know, a defensive guy comes in and they need to get that one-on-one -on -one work. Like I spent almost all of last year, like telling guys, I'm like, show me your film, show me your film. You know, like, let me watch it and I'll tell you what X and Y and Z is going to say 
about this, like what they're going to say you need to work on, what they say you're, you're already doing good at, what they're going to hope you do at your pro day. Like if you come in and you do X, Y, and Z, you'll probably get signed, whatever those things mm. are. Um, so that was kind of where I found myself at is like having that extra level of, of that scout eye that yeah. kind of valuable for that process, you know? Absolutely. I'm curious. And this is something I got, you're not a food geek. You're not a nutritionist. And, but if yeah. you can't answer, I'm curious. Um, you see a guy like Joe Thomas, you know, retire mm-hmm. and instantly just lose a ton of weight. Is that yeah. just eating less literally? Um, yeah. And you'd be surprised to see that, um, a lot of those linemen are doing that out of necessity. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're either keeping that weight on while they're playing for necessity or they're yeah. not losing it for necessity because their knees hurt so bad. Their back hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's ailments over the years that they just feel better being lighter now. Um, yeah. one of the best things I ever heard when it comes to guys training and longevity in their careers now, it's harder for linemen, like offensive linemen in particular. But, um, you know, I'm a Giants guy. So I heard Strahan one time talk about how he extended his career by leaning out at the end. So if you ever look at Michael Strahan from when he joined the Giants, his first like five or six years to when they, we have our Super Bowl in 07, he looks like two different people. Like mm. he was all jacked and thin and lean. And I think it was just less wear and tear on his joints. And he was able to be a more, you know, he was able to keep his wind. He was able to hang with the guys like, you know, like Tuck and OC and these younger dudes that were in the room with him at the time um, and was able to kind of extend his career out a little further where, you know, sometimes they make that joke when a player's towards the end of the rope, like sometimes they gain a little weight. Um, Mm. But if you do a consistent job of like losing a little like getting a little leaner at the end of your career like you can actually extend some some uh probably i my guess you could probably extend your career a good two years uh depending on the position if you lean out a bit like if you notice big ben lost a bunch of weight this year and i think that was in the same vein like i think he noticed he was getting hurt i mean he's still always hurt but i think he probably said to himself like man i gotta lean out i've been carrying this weight around i got bad knees i'm always getting beat up like, let me lose a little weight, be a little more limber, and it'll probably extend my career out a little bit. When you see Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett is is not only jacked, he's lean, he's fast. Yeah. I maybe yeah. it's not even a question. Just tell me what your thoughts are on Miles Garrett. He blows me away every time I watch him play football. Yeah. He um it's interesting because like not many people can get away with playing the way he does. Mm. Um but his exact style of play, there's two people in the league that are like like this, where I go, if somebody tried to replicate that, it wouldn't happen, even if they were built exactly like them. And that's Miles Garrett because of his length um, and his athletic ability. Like he plays in a way that he can do the push and pull, like like how you learn when you're in Pop Warner, but he can do it in a way that he's pushing you and pulling you from seven feet away. So it's like, how is that? How, what do you even do? You know, yeah. and he can tap your arms off. He's big, he's fast. I mean, he's very, very hard to replicate. The other person is Von Miller. You watch how Von Miller plays, like even if you're exactly the same size as Von Miller, he rushes in such a unique way that I'm like, I don't know if you could replicate it. Like you could try to take things from his game, but he has this like short area quickness and bend that you don't always see from guys. Like, for example, if Chase Young tried to play like Von Miller, it would never happen. And Chase Young's a beast, you know, because just different. Like it's, 
Um, probably the closest thing I've seen to someone play kind of like in between those two, in between like a Chase Young Mauler type of guy and a um, uh, the way that Von Miller plays is John Abraham. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah. Uh, flew under the radar for a very long time. He's a super good edge rusher. Um, he had a good blend of like weird speed and power and bend that like didn't really make sense. Like you didn't really know how he was so good of a pass rusher, but he was. Um, but yeah, it's like just the different kind of prototypes where I watch Miles Garrett and I'm like, well, you look at him and like, obviously like, well, you're gonna have a long day, yeah. but, um, he's just, the way he plays, is just so hard to defend. Like it, I feel bad for tackles. Why, why, what about his game is so hard to replicate? Is it because he's, is it cause he's built a certain way? It's cause he's faster than everybody. It, or is it like he, it can't be just because he's doing techniques because you can replicate technique you can't replicate that, size and, and athletic ability it, yeah it's it's a blend of everything because the techniques that he used plays to his advantages and his advantages are better than everyone else's yeah <laughs> i mean his size advantage is better than everyone else's and he plays to his own size advantages yeah. so it's like what do you do well like he, he had that move the other day where he sets up right and then like he almost like phases left and I'm like, yeah. other guys aren't fast enough to even try that move. It wouldn't work. No, no. Because a lot of times it's like, it has to do with the lengths too. Like a lot of guys will extend their arms on their punch or their pass rush. And like when they extend, it's like all that lineman has to do is anchor a bit and grab on. Yeah. He's going to hold you for a minute. Where Miles Garrett, he punches and extends. And then all of a sudden you blink and you're like, oh, I'm in the quarterback's lap. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. I, I was just setting the edge on a quick step. Yeah, or a quick drop, like one yard, a quick set. And then all of a sudden I'm in the quarterback's lap because he just pushed me with his arm so far. I'm in the quarterback's lap and I don't even know where he is anymore. You know, so it's like not everybody can do that just because of just how he's built. It's just different, you know. I have to ask you about Tom Brady because I wasn't planning to today, but I'm like, wait, you're a trainer. We're talking about body types and this and that. I'm like, man, like Tom Brady, it's funny. It's getting so far now where – when I talk about Tom Brady, I see in my YouTube comments now, people are like, he's on HGH. Like, there's no way it's natural. Can I just have your reaction to his career and how he's 44, mm-hmm. still playing at a crazy high level? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know exactly what types of methods he took to elongate his career. But I would say from everything I've seen from him, it's just he he doesn't take a day off. And I don't mean like training. I mean like his lifestyle. Like he doesn't stop. I think like people were making fun of him. Like he was drunk on the boat or whatever. When he was, I think that like happens like once every two years. Like I, I literally think he spends, he takes a day off when he wins a Super Bowl. Right, that's it. Right. Like I think this is an ongoing thing that he has been doing for a long time. That almost like in the same vein of the miles Garrett conversation of, like, it's just hard to replicate. Like, it's the same thing. Like, what he's doing for his body is exactly what he should be doing for his body, and he's doing it, and he's not stopping. So, like, if it's not broken, don't fix it sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm not sure what type of protocols he's putting into it. Now, obviously, he has a pretty serious purse with, you know, how much money he's made over his life. So, he obviously has some resources and things that aren't available to everybody. Yeah, he might have a hyperbaric chamber in his bedroom, like we probably know. Right, right. And he has like stretching protocols and meal prep and all this stuff. Um, but I think a lot of it is just up top. Like he can just, he's just got that mentality of like, oh, this is what I do. 
Like this is not, you know, I'm not a football player who's now training. Like I'm Tom Brady and I live my life like Tom Brady every single day. And this is what I do because I'm a football player. Like that's just it for him, you know? Well, it's interesting with Tom. A lot of it is I think he doesn't get hit. He really like you. Yeah. You watch a lot of quarterbacks when they retire. It's not like they can't still throw the football. Mm-hmm. It's not like they can't still read a defense. It's that their mm-hmm. body breaks down. He's like, I'm just gonna never let myself get hit. And part of that is knowing the game well enough to know mm-hmm. if an edge rusher is coming free, I got to get rid of the ball, find my hot route. I got to make sure I never take a sack. He throws the ball away. He throws the ball yeah. in the dirt. Like he never takes a hit. Mm-hmm. And I think also he he's just abandoned strength training. Like he's like, I'm not ever gonna be fast. I don't care about that. I care about can I move two steps to the right, two steps to the left. And I, I'm, pli- he always talks about pliability, which I, I think just means that he, like if he can bend in certain ways, like he's stretching. So if he gets hit, his knee doesn't break right. Basically. Right. Muscular flexibility. That's the best way of saying it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken a little bit more of an approach for that too, where strength can take a backseat as you're preparing for your sport. So like that old saying of like, you probably had this when you were in high school, Oh, we max out like one day before the season. Like, it's not really the smartest thing to do. Like, you should be yeah. maxing out two months beforehand and then using 70% of your max and using it for speed because you're actually controlling and using that weight more often and getting more control of your body and having that muscular pliability and stability in your training regimen that now you're just kind of, you put the big tires on and now you're tightening them instead of just like, yeah putting the biggest tires you've ever seen on that have no bolts and they're not really screwed in super tight. Like it's not really the best thing to do, but that's the old school way of doing it. I've trained the same way when I was in high school where it was like the day before pads, it's like, okay, we're going to bench squat deadlift all on the same day, max effort to the, to the ceiling and then just walk out there and hit the next day and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm good. You we're know, all dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny to see how that sort of plays out. Um, but I think really with with Tom, like, yeah, he's, he does a great job of not getting hit. Like, I've, I've watched him. Um, there's a couple of guys that do a good job of not getting hit. I think Rodgers is another one. He does a good job of not getting hit. Um, the only one that I've ever seen stay healthy through his whole career and even get beat up is Eli. I watched Eli literally gets head put on backwards and stand up. <laughs> he was like Jason Voorhees. It was like the craziest, craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I don't know, like. That's probably the, the the only thing as a Giants fan that I like miss a little bit was knowing that every single time Eli got hit, I'm like, unless someone shot him, he's getting up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's funny. I, there was always a moment in training camp where I would lose my legs every, every like I never I never figured it out. Like I, I would. Yeah. There's a day where it's it's something would happen and I I'd lose my legs and then every day after that taking a drop would just hurt and moving the yeah. pocket would hurt and I'm like yeah. I should have. So I wish I could go back and be like, hey, coaches, I'm sorry. I'm taking conditioning off here. Like, really made it work. Because there were qu- some quarterbacks who said, I'm, I'm going to do certain things and only certain things so I don't lose mm-hmm. my legs. And I would lose my legs and it affected everything because you lose your legs so much when you throw yep. a ball. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's my one regret of my yeah. career is I should have managed my body better. I'm like, dang it. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing here. I wish I knew what I knew now because I was a brute. You know, I... <laughs> I, yeah, you had to carry me off the field or else I was going to keep myself in. Like I played through a partially fractured ankle my junior year of high school. I played two games on it like an idiot and made it way worse and then had to sit out for the rest of the year and miss like a bulk of my junior year where if I probably sat for three weeks, I could have been back. Instead, I made it unbelievably worse to the point where I couldn't walk because yeah. like I was just like, oh, I'll take a couple of ibuprofen and run out there because I'm, uh, 
you know? Yeah. Because just how I was, I was in it. I didn't think I, I, when I put a helmet on, it was like, I'm invincible. Like that's, that's just how it is. Um, but I wish I still had some of the, I wish I had back then some of the knowledge I do now. I try to pass it on to my brother. I have a brother who's a senior. Um, uh, by the way, shout out uh, to them. They're playing their homecoming game this Friday. He's on the homecoming court. He's got four touchdowns in the last five games. Wow. Mike, good job. Nice. Um, so he's, uh, yeah, I try to pass down some of the knowledge I have now from the resources I've been given at test and going to school, whatever, um, to to kind of like help with that. And then all these guys I get in now, like all these high school kids that I get in now, like that's probably one of my most favorite things is uh, having this effect on these high school kids or some of these kids that have never played football before mm. and seeing like, you know, I, I give them a couple of tips and pointers the first day and then they come back the next week and they're like, Oh coach, I did this in practice. And usually I don't make any tackles in practice, but today I made two, like, you know, some of these kids that have never played before. And it's just really, really cool to see that. Um, kind of play out and then also on the bigger like it's literally the both sides of it it's like teaching kids football that have never played before and then teaching kids the or teaching grown men you know the the super super nuanced little things about you know when you're playing cover four how the safety's heels are at 10 and you know how the drop is and the like all these little nuanced things it's like i love both ends of it so that's one of the the best things about what i do here so I never want to be the guy that's like, you know, oh, the glory days. Like, remember high school? Like, I, I try to never be that guy, but it, it's crazy to yeah. look back at, even in the last year, how much I've learned about the game. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I wouldn't say I'd do better if I go back, but I, I know for a fact I didn't max out my career. Like, I left a lot on the table with stuff I just didn't yeah. know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do right. Do you feel that way too when you look back on your career? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, like, I was, um, I was like, I feel like I was kind of born in the wrong era, the way I played football. I think I, I should have came up through like the 90s. <laughs> I was neck roll, yeah. you know, up to the head. I was like, you know, a, a gap plugger. That was it. And I was leading with the with my face and my shoulders. And like, you know, I was I was a good hitter, but that was kind of my game. You know, I wish I kind of took a little more time to to, you know, focus on some of those other especially in the training aspect because like I never took a day off training but how I was training was most likely wrong you know like I trained like it was like literally the the, the 80s or the 90s where I'm running bleachers in the rain and like I'm it's more of like a mental thing than it was really me doing the right thing hmm. um where you know my brother now has the luxury of of having me to tell him what exactly he should be doing all the time. Now, does he listen to me always? No, because I'm his brother. But, you know, it's it's just me trying to pass down the things that I've seen work um, with the guys that we have here and then things that I definitely didn't do right when I was coming up. And um, the proof is there a lot with, you know, that a lot of these methods do work, um, you know, in, in training and duration of training and what you should be focusing on and aspects of speed and pliability and flexibility and mobility and um, change of direction. And like all of those things have to go into someone's program. Like if you really want to be training for your sport, like you can't just be like, Oh, I'm going to bench squat and deadlift. Like a lot of these weight rooms do. It's just not going to give you the best outcome. You got to focus on change of direction. You got to focus on acceleration. You got to focus on top speed. You got to put the game in a box and do the movement patterns that you're going to do for your sport 
on top of your bench squat and deadlifting. Mm. You know, you can't just do the one because you're missing all of the other aspects of it. But a lot of that gets lost. One, because it's hard. It's hard to do that. Like, I I feel bad for some of these guys who run these weight rooms. Like, they're giving 50 kids and have to, like, like, oh, you got to get Timmy's bench up to 200 in, in three weeks. And it's like... Yeah, I probably wouldn't focus on that either if that's the only thing I got to yeah. think about, you know? I, I want to talk about, you know, I, I would – one of my bucket list things, I'd love to go coach someday. I, I don't think I ever will, but I, if I certainly ever can, maybe when I retire, I'll coach, something like that, right? I have no idea. But I, I want to talk about the idea of you have a job in football that isn't playing because when I was a kid, I saw only one path. Like, I'm, I'm going to play football and and I never had any other idea like, oh, I could coach. I could. And now I talk about football, by the way. And you have a job similar to not similar, but we both work in football, even though we're not playing football. And that's pretty cool. Can you talk about and maybe talk to the audience about how you have other options beyond just playing football? Yeah. So um, that was a very hard conversation I had to m- have with myself, too, where I was a sophomore in college Um uh, looking back, I was definitely a little stubborn when I came out of high school because I'm five nine, you know, 190 pounds, but I was an inside linebacker. So Damn. the stretch reaches of scholarships weren't super, super wide and vast. So um, I was a little stubborn. I didn't want to play Division three because of the talent I went up against and how I performed. I felt like I had a, I had earned a, a right to play Division one with the way I was playing and who I played against. Um, so instead, I actually started at a county college, and then I was like, oh, after two years, I'll walk on somewhere. And I started kind of networking and getting into the football realm of things where I, I met Saquon Barkley, and I met Evan Ingram, and I met all these guys, and I'm working with players on my own, and I'm prepping guys for pro days, but this is before I was here. And I'm doing all this stuff, and I had an interview with the Jets um, right before COVID happened. Um and uh, right as COVID picked up and they were like, hey, we're not hiring anybody because COVID. And then this kind of thing spiraled. And I got to a point where I had to like look in the mirror and be like, you know, do I really want to go put a helmet on right now? Like, is that really the smartest thing to do? Or should I keep following what I've been doing? Because, uh, you know, it seems to be pushing me in the right direction. Like, as long as it involves football, I'm happy. Where at one point I was like, if I'm not playing, I'm pissed. Where now it's like, as long as it's around it, near it looks like it smells like it you know if it's if it's close enough i'm happy with it so it was it was definitely hard but realizing using my brain for the sport gave me a long a longevity that playing the sport definitely wouldn't have given me i want to talk about kenny pickett because you you -hmm. train him i i am excited to do a film analysis of kenny and i i want to dive into Mm -hmm. this game i haven't watched a lot of what he's done this year but i look at his numbers and i'm like oh my gosh it's unbelievable what he's doing can you talk about your interaction with kenny and kind of let's just toot his horn i want to talk about he sounds like he works really hard and i want to hear your thoughts about him yeah so um like i said i've kind of known kenny for a little while um Hmm. kind of oh i apologize let let me kenny pickett is the pittsburgh quarterback i I should say that to anyone in case anyone doesn't know his name that's the two he is he's starting quarterback at pittsburgh is fantastic yeah um so like i've known of kenny let's put it that way for, for a little while. Like I played against him. I think he was a freshman at ocean township when I was at Donovan, uh, back in the day. Um, and then he was coming up through the ranks and Tony Rassiopi, our quarterback coach had been working with him pretty closely. He's been making a lot of strides. Um, you know, Kenny, we were thinking maybe possibly was going to come out for the draft last year. He played pretty well. He was battling injury a little bit, 
Um, and he said he had unfinished business and he wanted to go back. Um, you know, he, he, he was in here, he checked it out. He did some off season training, was helping rehab some, some nagging things that were bothering him from the year before. And, uh, you know, he was always very, very nice to me when he came in super, super focused. He's a stud. Like that's literally the best way to say it. Like he's, he's a stud. So he does everything you want. You can, you know, he's smart from watching him play. Um, Tony is unbelievable with the nuances of the quarterback position. So if he's learning from him and he's performing the way he is, that means whatever he's doing is working in that, in that sense. So, um, he's, he's doing an unbelievable job and, um, you know, he, I know he's got some Heisman buzz around him right now. I'm hoping that takes place, um, takes form for him. And I know he's, you know, he's, this is what he wanted to do. He, he said like verbatim, there's unfinished business. That's the quote we always use with Kenny this year. There's unfinished business. He didn't want to leave on that note. He didn't want to leave Pittsburgh on that note. So he went back and he's doing everything he can right now. I know there's some games left and he wants to keep pushing forward and moving forward. So I wish all the best of luck to him moving forward. And I'm sure we'll see him once the season's over. So. Yeah, it's so cool. I think he got an extra year of eligibility basically because of COVID and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take it, man. Like, and I, I I would go back if I could. I mean, I think everyone would, I kind of jealous of him. Like he got to do another senior year, basically. Like that's beautiful and amazing. And it can only make you better. I mean, I I love like, clearly tells me he loves football. And I look at him and think, man, I don't know where he's going to fall in the draft. I haven't watched a lot of his film yet, but everything I hear about him, he sounds like if nothing else we can agree on this statement is that he's going to make whatever team he goes to better. Whatever that looks like, he's a net positive for your franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Like he is, he's a, he's a worker. Like he's not big rah-rah or, you know, thinking he's the coolest guy in the room. He's a Jersey blue collar guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He is, you know, and uh, that may have to do with him being a South Jersey person, not a North Jersey person like I was, but, uh, but yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I think whatever team he goes to, they're going to be getting a gem. You know, he's, he's a really, really good kid. Um, you know, and he works super hard and he's always wanting to learn and he's super nice to everybody he talks to. His teammates absolutely adore him. Um, that was the one thing that I've noticed because I'm friends with some other players on the team, like, you know, or, you know, they talk to about the draft program and, and the combine program through here. And like, I see these pit players always posting about him. And that's, that's always a good sign for, for me as well. Um, seeing the teammates showing the guys so much love, like, just consistently like, Oh, Kenny's getting Heisman, this Heisman, that Heisman, this I see it on Twitter. I see it like everybody loves the guy. So that's got to say something about his character as well. Apart from what I've met him, he's obviously having this effect on multiple people. So um, that definitely plays a good, definitely sits him well in his corner too. So. Yeah. I, uh, you played against Quentin Nelson. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Um, so he was a senior. I was a junior. Uh, we scrimmaged them. Uh, this was beginning of my junior year before I got injured. And, uh, yeah. So before the coin toss, I remember looking at him and being like, you know, you, you try to talk yourself up before the game. Like he was already, I think he was already committed to Notre Dame at this point. I, I uh, should say he's a right, he's, he's a guard for Indianapolis Colts. I, I, I always forget to like tell people yeah. who he is. Be like, who is that? Yeah, He's right. a great offensive lineman. Anyway. One of the best guards in the league, if not. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I remember before we did like our little whatever, the captains walked up and we're talking, whatever. Um, 
to each other. I'm looking at him and like, if you kind of look at him now, you can kind of tell he's got a little bit of a baby face, <laughs> yeah. like a little bit. It's under that so, beard somewhere. Yeah. So he didn't have that back in the day. Mm. So me, I would find any reason to find a weakness in somebody because it was just how I played. I was small. I wasn't the strongest guy, but I, and I wasn't really a, a crap talker, but I needed to get myself psyched. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, Oh, he's, oh, he's soft. Like that was the first thing I thought. I'm like, Oh, he's got a baby face. He must be soft because like, that's just, that's how my brain yeah. operates. Cause I get myself going. So I think the first play, um, I mean, actually I made a tackle right off him, uh, for like a one yard loss. And I remember now I'm, now I'm convinced. I'm like, Oh, he's so, now he's definitely soft. I'm like feeling myself and whatever. Now this is a scrimmage. Like who knows how hard he's really going. And I remember we called a stunt on the next play. It was like a TE stunt, but I was at linebacker or whatever. Kind of like a they try to our, – our end juts in, and I fly out. and I came in, and I hit him, and I remember hitting him with, like, everything I had. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna bull rush him into the QB right now. And I remember hitting him, and then my feet, like, just running. And he's not going anywhere. And I'm like, weird. And then he just kind of shoves me off ball goes out, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I had never had that happen to me before. So now in the back of my head, I'm like, that was weird. Like I, it was, it wasn't even like, like, Oh, he's good. Or, Oh, he's bad sort of thing. It was like, that was really strange. Like that's never happened to me before. And, um, I was like, there's something different about that guy. I don't know really what it is. Then like two plays later, they run power, his side, I'm scraping over and he takes our outside linebacker and runs him like 12 yards off the ball and like dumps him on his head. And I'm like, Oh, he's, he's starting to get steam. Now he's starting to pick it up. And I'm like, Oh damn, he's, he's getting he's not soft. And, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the softness wore off. And then, um, you could tell too, like he's hysterical, the kid too. Like you see him on busting with the boys, not to shout out a different podcast, but he's been on different barstool things and things like that. And I hear him talking. He's like, a, he's funny. He like reminds me of just like it, it, Jersey guys kind of have like a unique sense of humor a little bit and like you could see it coming out of him and in, in all this stuff. And I always root for guys I played against. So uh, it's really, really cool to see how, you know, how much he developed at Notre Dame and what they were able to get out of him there. I know he set like the freshman bench press record or something like insane. Like when, as soon as he got there and then now he's forget it. I mean, everybody kind of got other, him and Zach Martin. Those are the two that they say are the best guards in the league. So it's just kind of crazy to think like I played against him, you know? Yeah, you and literally not like on the other team, you actually lined up against him too. I mean, if I played another quarterback, I wouldn't have actually played against that guy. You you got hit by him, which is like pfft, Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. I had uh I've had a couple of guys that like I either played against that like like I said, Kenny, like I have had I played against him at one point, Anthony Brown, the quarterback at Oregon, uh right now who's starting over there. Uh, Mike Gesicki, the tight end for the Dolphins that I played against. Um, I played against actually a few times. Um, so it's kind of funny to see all these guys like just like back then you're like, oh, yeah, they're good. But like, like you don't think of it yeah. like really down, that, you know, and it's like all of a sudden draft day rolls around. And you're like, oh, wow. And now it's happening constantly. Like all these guys are just like all over the league and all over these college teams, whether they're older or younger or whatever it is. So it's pretty interesting to see all that play yeah, it's out. Weird. We're at the perfect age where our, our age group is getting to the NFL. Like I have a couple of teammates I played with. Osaru Odigazua, defensive tackle for the Cowboys, was my teammate. Samson yeah. Ibukam 
was like my running back who plays linebacker for the 49ers had like two touchdowns against yeah. Mahomes on Monday Night Football. Like, it's weird to see guys that you grew up with. I, 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 you're the only person I've ever met who has that shared experience of seeing guys you played with or against now in the league. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm commenting on people who like I shared a backfield with. It's very weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely was a weird kind of thing at first. Now I'm getting used to it, especially with my job here now, because I'm like constantly yeah. around dudes that are in the league. But, you know, deep down, I'm always rooting for like Oregon upset Ohio State this year. Um, and I was Anthony Brown was playing QB and he works with Tony as well. Like he works yeah. with here. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's another one for sure. Fo- Tom River, uh, you know, Jersey Shore football, baby. <laughs> Give us another one. <laughs> that's a notch in our belt. So it's kind of funny. Hey, let's let's wrap it up. The last thing I want to ask you, I went on Instagram this weekend. I saw it's a picture of you and your lady at dinner. And I think you were wearing not only a Giants hat, mm-hmm. also a giant shirt. And yeah. you wear like you're very proud of the Giants. And that's that's your team. Mm-hmm. I would it I would really regret not asking you about your team. So maybe it's generally how do you feel as a Giants fan right now uh, after week six? Um. I mean, you know, deep down, obviously, it's it's um, it's not the outcome you'd want right now for the team. Um, I can say that um, there's definitely a lot of talent. I think injuries have played a big factor in a lot of what's going on here, um, especially with the offensive line. Like, these are guys that probably need a, a good half a season to get used to playing with each other. And it's been a revolving door on that left side of the line, whether it's injury or season-ending injury between Gates and Lemieux and Thomas and these guys kind of funneling in and out. Um, I've met Daniel Jones. I, I, uh, I, he's an unbelievable guy. Like he, I've, I've witnessed him work with kids, actually. Um, and the way he was with kids, like you could tell, like I, I know why everybody loves him in that organization because he's an unbelievable dude. Um, I think he needs a full season to really let this play out. Um, he's actually, in my opinion, I know there's been varying varying opinions on him just ever, but this season, I think he's played fairly well, probably up until this past game. This was the first game where I feel like he was a little out of sorts. Um, I went to the first game um, against Denver. I kind of chalked that one up to like, okay, shaking the rust off, trying to get back into it. Denver has a good defense and Jones had that one fumble um, while they were driving. But, you know, it's I've been spoiled growing up watching them win two Super Bowls. Um, And they were very improbable, one way more than the other, but they were very probable. So I think now I have like this chip in the back of my mind that I always think I'm like, oh, doesn't matter if we're 42 point underdogs, like we're, we could win. Like it's just how my brain is wired now. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty tight with some guys on the team and that adds definitely an aspect to it. I mean, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to players. Like I, we have guys on the Eagles, we have guys on the Bills, we have guys all over, but you know, just something that's just deep rooted in me is my Giants fandom that I always pull for them regardless of what's going on. Um, it's definitely added a new layer of, of, uh, of, I don't even know what to call it, but I guess you could say frustration knowing guys on the team out. So it's like now I'm rooting for the team and I'm also rooting for individual players on the team from, you know, 
acquaintanceships that I've built with some of their players and some people in the front office and stuff. So I'm like double rooting for them now. <laughs> and it's like when they lose, it's like double as like, ah, oh, like disappointing and deflating. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, you know, uh, there's been a lot of stuff in the making leading up to this point. Uh, I think it's definitely a pivot, a pivoting point right now um, for judge and for Gettleman and for this roster. So I think, if they can show some promise, I know they put Andrew Thomas on, on IR for about three weeks now, and then they have the bye, and then they have eight games. If they can win a couple games and then get a strong push from the bye, you know how the NFC East is. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. It never made sense. It will make – It will make like right now people are saying the Giants are dead in the water. I guarantee you week 16 they'll be like they're one game out of first because that's just how it is. It just makes no sense, but that's how it is. Uh, I want to ask you, you have met Saquon Barkley. You are, Saquon Barkley, I think is from Jersey. Is that accurate? No, he's from PA. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Okay. I, I yeah. still, I would say that's your area roughly. I mean, it's not that far right. of a drive. Yeah. I, I want to, mm-hmm. I have been very critical of that draft pick and I've never had a Giants fan ever. Like, I mean, I, I get comments, but never talk to another human like face to face about this. And as, as much as you would count this face to face. I mm-hmm. was really critical of them drafting Saquon Barkley, even at the time. I I love Saquon. I, I hope no one thinks that I don't like him as a player. He's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. an incredible running back. I just don't agree on – I think they place too high of a value on running back. I would never draft a running back in the top 10, mm-hmm. even the first round. End of the first round, like, Najee Harris is a good pick, I thought. But that's there, – there's a fine line there. I just would never draft a guy in the top 10. I think they should have drafted Quinton Nelson. We talked about him earlier. Looking back on that pick, am I wrong? Do you agree? Am I crazy? Like, do you think they made the wrong pick by taking Saquon Barkley? Um, it's hard because, like, I understand why. Um, and you got to understand too. I think there is there was a a conflicting portion of ideas at that time where they're like, we want to push with Eli, like we want to get another playoff run out of Eli. Yeah. You have people making decisions with that in mind, then Saquon Barkley makes sense. Now you can also make the argument like, oh, well, you could have drafted Quentin Nelson. That would have helped him out a lot too. But with how Eli was playing his game, he wasn't pushing the ball down the field as much anymore. It was a lot of slant routes to Odell, and it was a lot of intermediate stuff that they were using yard after catch. Saquon was the king of that. Coming out of Penn State, he was big playability. He can take a check down for a 60-yard touchdown. Right. So adding that ability to it where the Giants hadn't had, you know, I think their running back at the time was Rashad Jennings, who was like a good back, but he's not Saquon. So I think it makes sense. Like, I get why Gettleman at the time thought that was the best pick. Um, I think the jury's still out. Like, the injuries are definitely working against him. My guess is they're going to pick up his fifth year option or franchise tag him. Um for the time being, depending on how it goes. I don't think they'll make him walk or trade him. Um, I think he means too much to that locker room right now. Um, And it wouldn't make sense with Gettleman still there of him saying like, oh, let me get rid of the first draft pick I ever made for the Giants. I don't think that would be the best decision for him. Um, Well, I would not trade him. Like, I don't think his value is, I mean, I, I want to include, like, he's an amazing player. I just mm-hmm. don't know that he was what they needed to solve the problems. Right. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. I think 
you could have went two different, like either, either or Avenue. Cause if you look at now, it was very early in the draft, but if you look at Najee Harris and you look at how he plays, it's like, Oh yeah, he is helping Ben. So it's like, and that was the first pick they made in that draft. And we, we know they lost Alejandro Villanueva. They had offensive line problems, but they also addressed it in other picks in that draft. Um, and they panned out or are at least panning out currently where the giants, they took Barkley they drafted Hernandez. I believe that was that year. They drafted Hernandez. And Will has played, but he, you know, we haven't fixed the O-line yet. Yeah. So it's like when you look at we took Barkley and he's consistently getting hurt for whatever reasons he's been getting hurt for, and he ha- can't help the team because of availability, you know, it, it definitely it, it stirs a lot of frustration in in the, you know, in the fan base when, you know, these are things that were promised by GMs and whatever. And there's a lot of moving parts. It's not yeah. really cut, cut and dry. Like fans will, I, I read fans. They'll be like, Saquon was the greatest pick we ever had. Like after the new Orleans game, when he bought the, uh, the fade route and juked out Marshawn Lattimore or uh, whoever the safety was for the touchdown. And then he scored the overtime touchdown. We won. Like people were like, this is how the New York fan base is. They're like, Saquon's the best ever, and Joe Judge is going to turn this team around. And then after the loss the other day, they're like, oh, Joe Judge needs to get fired. It's like, it's that little, that's how New York fan bases are. It's like that much. Like, it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. So I kind of like to look at the big picture. Um, I've actually liked a lot of Gettleman's draft picks, um, especially in the last two drafts. I think one thing that's definitely hurting him is the injuries. Yeah. The injuries really hurting his place because you even look at two of his draft picks this year, two of his draft picks aren't playing. Uh, his third round pick and his fourth round pick haven't played yet. Aaron Robertson and Ellerson Smith, they haven't seen the field yet. So it's like, you know, and then you have Saquon getting hurt. You have half of the whole line getting hurt. I think the only one, well, actually, they lost Blake Martinez like the second week of the year. So it's like even players on their defense are hurt. So I feel bad for I, I feel bad for where this organization is right now. I'm, I think they can turn around. They always do. They always like fight at least until the end. So, and I know the NFC East. I mean, I know Dallas seems like they're running away with it right now, um, especially after that win they had the other day uh, against New England. But um, I don't know. It's it's always interesting. Yeah, it's just how it is, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really where I've been at. I was definitely hanging my head a little bit in, in Boston this weekend, watching the Giants uh, get beat up a little bit. But there's nothing I can do about it at this point. So I, I gotta say, I and it's cool to talk to you being a Giants fan. The Giants are my favorite fan base to interact with. Like they're really? you guys are insane. You guys are angry. <laughs> you guys are loud. But I love it. Like, I, if I could ever do local radio, the only city mm-hmm. I would do is uh, maybe Philadelphia, but, like, New York yeah. or Philly. And, and at, right. nationally, I see the comments on all kinds of stuff. People are like, oh, they're, unf- they're awful. They're, you know, you have New York fans spitting on Trey Young in the NBA playoffs. Uh, but I, I uh, want to be clear. I love all of it. I think it's fun. I think it's better. I get hated on, and I'm like, yeah, well, I get so I'm an idiot sometimes, and I, I just want it clear to everyone out there. Like I, I firmly enjoy the anger because it's better that people care than people not have anything to say or not be interested. When I make a video about the Giants, I know people are going to watch, 
and people are going to have something to say every time. And I think that's, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. The, the one thing that I can say is like, I've been, I've been a rider for sure. Like watching, you know, I've been through now, it's almost like five years of really not great football. And it's, I've watched every game, every game. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I sit there every week and like my, my parents know, like my brothers are Giants fans too. My, my, I have two brothers, one's 18 and one's 13. Um, and my middle brother, he gets as upset as I do. Like it was funny. I'm watching the game in Boston and my brother just texts me in the third quarter. No uppercase, no nothing, just LOL. Cause he knows how I, I, how I'm feeling. Like I didn't even have to post anything or say anything, but he knows I'm sitting there just kind of like hanging my head. You know, it's like a, definitely a Sunday afternoon thing. Like, um, but, uh, but yeah, it, the New York fan base, it's one of a kind. That's for sure. Like I said, it's, it's either hot or cold. There's really nothing in the middle. Like it's, it's especially with the majority of the fan base. It's, you know, like I see some TikTok sometimes of, of like uh, guys who live in New Jersey and it's like, if you see this guy at a deli after a Giants game and he's like, oh, if I was playing quarterback, you know, we would have probably won, you know, South New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I think the passion's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, it, everybody's kind of like it's 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 when things are bad. It's like almost like that self-deprecating. You know what? Aspect. Well, you could be a Jets fan, which would be like oh. so much worse. At least you have uh-huh. you've won Super Bowls recently compared to the Jets. Right. I mean. Those poor guys. Right. Oh my god. Yeah. What we always say is that like because I have this conversation <laughs> with Jets fans sometimes, is I'll be like, Well, you guys are expected to be this way. Like the Giants don't expect to be this way. Like this is bad. Like when the Giants are bad, everything feels weird because mm-hmm. they're usually feisty and good. So the fact that we've been bad for this long, you know, like the last time the Jets were good was the Mark Sanchez years of um, you know, the AFC championship years. Um but when the Jets are good, it's like, oh, the Jets are good? Where, like, when the Giants are good, it's like, yeah, the Giants are tough. They play good defense and, you know, whatever. They they just – that's how they, how it is. That's how it was for a very long time. Where now it's like, since we're not good, it's like, okay, like, we're starting to, like, one year, okay, bad year. Two years, okay, two bad years. Three years, four years, five years. And it's like, okay, what is going on? Like, you know, you heard – like, I know you probably saw the posts about, like – the owner getting booed at Eli's halftime thing. And they're just like reaming the owner out. And I'm like, sure. The Detroit lions do that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, and they've had some horrible years or even the Browns through their very, very bad stretches. Like, I don't think those things happen where like in New York, like it's unavoidable. Like it's going to happen. New York fans expect to win. They're like, I'm paying money. I got the hat. I got the Jersey. Mm -hmm. I, I want. I invested, man, emotionally, financially. I bought a dang hot dog. It was thirty five thousand dollars, and you know, I, I gotta ask. I'm, I'm curious about this. This I should go. I literally am twenty seven minutes late to another interview. So I, I don't. I, I am happy. Whatever. I'll figure it out. Um, when you guys won a Super Bowl, not once but twice against the Patriots, I never made this connection until the other day. I watched the 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 wild card of the MLB playoffs where the Red Sox played. Uh, the Yankees, and it's that New York-Boston rivalry, and it hit me, oh my gosh, not only did the Patriots, Boston, essentially, lose when they were 18-0, and undefeated, they lost to New York, it's, that's Red Sox-Yankees, Is does that 
do you guys have your your jersey but i would call that basically new york is there a real rivalry and passion uh, uh, between you guys and boston there is it definitely takes a back seat to the giants eagles i would say the, mm. the most heated one um, yeah but to just give you an example um i was in boston this weekend like i told you and I did not hesitate to wear all my giant stuff. And I was kind of waiting. I'm like, even though the, the Patriots were playing Dallas, I like said to myself, I'm like, somebody's going to say something. Like, I have a feeling. So we go to a bar at the end of the night and I walk in and some guy, you know, he had been drinking. He's pretty drunk. He was an older guy, like maybe in his 50s. And as soon as I walked in, he just put his thumb like this, right? In my, <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just started like laughing or whatever. And he holds up his hands like this, like meaning six rings, like the Patriots have six rings. Go <laughs> so, well, we we stole two from you, and he was. You're like, yeah, and then yeah, <laughs> and he was like, oh, you stole them, you stole them, and I'm like, oh, okay, but it's like I couldn't, I couldn't help, but the guy literally looked at me and what I was wearing. The Patriots were literally playing a team in our division that wasn't us, and they he just right in my face as soon as I walked in just thumbs down right in my face. So I think they're definitely still pretty bitter. But probably <laughs> the one thing that people forget, like you can make fun of the Giants all you want. The Giants have Tom Brady's number more than anybody in the history of time. Like no one will have Tom Brady like the New York Giants and Eli Manning does. So it's like everybody, and when everybody, it's, it's so funny to like, when Tom won the Super Bowl last year and it was like, I'm seeing all these Tom Brady posts, the Giants Twitter was just sending pictures of Eli constantly over and over. <laughs> like, he, like it's like, he'll never be able to escape it. You know? Yeah. I love it, man. Um, I gotta say, so I love the East coast. I have been to New York. I went to an XFL guardians game. Oh. Like I was on the sideline. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was my first time going to New York and I adore, I, I love the East coast. I love the mentality. I love that you go to a bar wearing a giant's hat. Someone will say so Boston, Philadelphia, New York, <laughs> Jersey, People will say that stuff. Like where yeah. I live and where I lived in Portland and the West Coast, I live in Hawaii now. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to say anything. No one cares. Mm-hmm. I uh, love the East Coast for that reason. And yeah. I, I know for a fact I'm coming someday. I don't know when. Mm-hmm. I'll be back. And when I'm there, I'd love to buy you a drink. I would yeah, like to sure. give you like a handshake, like dab you up, buy you a beer would be like incredible. I, I've yeah. had so much fun talking to you. And uh, I hope you come back on sometime. I, I think this would yeah. be fun to do again someday. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I know, I don't even know what time it is in Hawaii, but I'm on, on Jersey. It's 8.10. Oh, okay. Yeah, not <laughs> in too In the morning. Yeah. That's not too bad. It's 2, 2.11 here, but yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on and giving all this info about test and what we do here and a little bit of my Giants fandom and kind of what we have as a product here, but I definitely appreciate it, dude. Yeah, man. Actually, let's, let's say this. I'll, I'll say this as we close. If you want to come back on after the Giants season ends... Oh, and yeah. do like a, a debrief on how it went. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, for sure. Yep, definitely, man. I'll do okay. it. Hopefully All right, man. Hopefully it's a, it's a positive debrief. We'll see. A, a negative, yeah. positive, we'll have fun with it. So you're awesome, yeah. man. Hope you have a great day, and thank you so much for your time. You too, man. Thanks. I appreciate it.